from Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello there, I'm Graham, VK4BB. This is the WIA National News Service. It is for week commencing November 26, 2017. And around VK, SBAS trial launched for Australasian region. A national trial of world-first satellite positioning technology has been launched by the Australian government. The satellite positioning technology is known as SBAS, or Satellite Based Augmentation System, SBAS. The improved positioning accuracy and integrity of the satellite technology will potentially benefit a wide range of industries, including agriculture, mining, transport, construction and utilities. The first contracts with industry have been signed as part of a two-year trial examining the economic and social benefits of an SBAS for the Australasian region. Minister for Resources in Northern Australia, Matt Canavan, said... We know that working closely with industries like agriculture is the key to understanding what Australia can gain from investing in technologies that may improve positioning accuracy from the current 5 to 10 metres down to less than 10 centimetres. Central Queensland University, CQ University of Australia, up in Rocky Area, one of the first industry participants to sign up on the trial, is leading a project to test how improved satellite positioning technology can be used by cattle and sheep farmers to lower costs and improve production. Member for Capricornia, Michelle Landry, said CQ University's project would receive up to $180,000 in funding from the Australian and New Zealand governments, with the project partners contributing an additional $105,000. Across Australia, from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service, which can be heard in the ACT and Canberra region, through our Mount Janini repeaters on 146.950 and 438.050 every Sunday at 0900 local. On behalf of the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club broadcast team, this is Amanda, VK1WX. Amateur Radio Magazine, A New Beginning. The December Amateur Radio Magazine is its final monthly edition and will come out as a bi-monthly publication in 2018. Later, there will be reflection on that necessary change and the opportunities it gives to refocus the magazine. Before then, let's recap how the WIA Journal began and its involvement over the decades. It was October 1933 that the first edition of Amateur Radio was published by the WIA Victorian Division. The magazine continued until a few months after the outbreak of World War II in September 1939. Then, wanting to continue the WIA and hold together the hobby, it was a hand-cranked duplicator magazine during the war years. When the hostilities ended, the WIA reported the resumption of the hobby and its negotiation with authorities. The next major phase was when Amateur Radio Magazine and other historical WIA matters, like the membership database run at the Victorian Division, went to a new company, WIA Federal, in 1972. 
The magazine evolution saw it adopt modern production and printing techniques, moving from manuscripts that had to be converted to print to digital files on disk through to email attachments. It also went from a dowdy black-and-white publication to full colour. Since 1933, amateur radio magazine had sought to be a record of history and will continue in that role, but in a bi-monthly production and so it can still have appeal of the changing audience, the contents will naturally change, but this may take months to fully achieve. Now the reality change. Amateur Radio Magazine is the highest single expense of the Institute. It suffered mainly because of the 50% increase in costs over the past few years. As Amateur Radio enters the next phase, the readership, contributors... Advertisers and those steering the course of this publication have their own part to play in its future. Election of WIA Directors Call for Nominations Under the WIA Constitution, the Board of Directors has decided there will be a postal ballot for three directors. These directors retire at the conclusion of the next annual general meeting, which will be held at the Gold Coast on the 19th of May 2018. They are Peter Clee, Philip Waite, and Brian Clark, each retiring director, is eligible for re-election. The returning officer, John Marshall, said candidates must be a WIA voting member and hold an Australian amateur radio licence. The deadline for nominations, 31st of January 2018. Please read the formal notification in the December issue of the WIA journal Amateur Radio Magazine and on the WIA website, which has all the requirements, wia.org.au. Locally produced, nationally voiced, globally heard. We are VK1WIA. A look inside December's Amateur Radio magazine. The Wireless Institute of Australia finances have been reviewed by the Board of Directors, which has set a sustainable course. However, the major actions won't have effect until the 2018 year. WIA President Justin Giles Clark, VK7TW, in the board comment, talks about coming to grips with the way the organisation operates, a discovery with a complex historic picture that took longer than originally thought. On the positive note, there are several key areas identified that place the organisation on a much more sustainable platform and further improve its financial position. Amateur Radio Magazine by far the largest expense, is to be published bi-monthly in 2018. Ideas for revitalising it have been received and more are welcome. For further explanation on the WIA finances and expenses and revenue, please read the board comment. Also, the WIA Journal has a discussion on a 160-metre band planning, a lightweight 2-metre Yagi, a VHF diplexer revisited, what digital modes can do, plus special interest in regional columns. That all makes good reading. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3 Papa Victor, and you're listening to VK1 WIA. From Australia, this is VK1 WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. International news with thanks to the International Amateur Radio Union, Radio Society of Great Britain, South Africa Radio League, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, American Radio Relay League, Amateur Radio Newsline, New Zealand Association of Radio Transmitters, Wireless Institute of Australia Local VK7 News Service, 
VK3PC and the worldwide resources of the Wireless Institute of Australia. I'm Lyndall, VK4ZM. Mysterious signals did not come from missing submarine. Satellite signals heard over the weekend did not come from the missing Argentine Navy submarine San Juan that went missing November 15, dashing hopes that the vessel could be located. The submarine had reported a malfunction, had surfaced and was headed back to its base when the Navy lost contact with it. The sub carries a crew of 44. A naval commander told media that the submarine had surfaced and reported an electrical problem before it disappeared some 270 miles off the South American coast. Over the weekend, Argentina's Defence Ministry had reported receiving seven failed satellite calls that officials thought might be coming from the missing submarine. No contact was made and no transmissions occurred. Over last weekend, International Amateur Radio Union Region 2 News Editor Joaquin Solana, callsign X-Ray Echo 1 Romeo, issued a list of marine frequencies suggesting that radio amateurs and shortwave listeners listen for any signals that could be related to the missing San Juan. Naturally, we have that list in our text edition of WIA News. Amateur services feature in Free International Telecommunications Union magazine. The new edition of the ITU News magazine features an article by International Amateur Radio Union President Tim Ellum, callsign Victor Echo 6 Sierra Hotel, about the International Amateur Radio Union, the International Radio Consultative Committee, CCIR, and ITUR. The IARU has been and continues to be a regular contributor to the CCIR and the ITU radio communications sector study groups and working parties on behalf of more than 3 million licensees of the amateur and amateur satellite services throughout the world. They share what they learn with one another and with a wider telecommunications community, in part through ITUR recommendations and reports. ITUR Study Group 5 and Working Party 5 Alpha a home to both the amateur and the amateur satellite services. Radio Caroline heard testing on 648 kHz as it prepares its legal return to the airwaves. Medium wave broadcast listeners recently reported a signal with continuous music and announcements on 648 kHz. The frequency of the former pirate broadcaster and soon to be reconstituted Radio Caroline from the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Belgium, France and Austria. They reported hearing the signal, according to Mike Terry of the shortwave listening post. Terry said he believed the testing was done at a lower power level than the permitted one kilowatt. The latter-day incarnation of the famous shipboard pirate radio station that beamed rock music to the United Kingdom in the 1960s and the 1970s has gone legal and obtained a license to operate permanently on 648 kHz or 1 kilowatt estimated radiated power. It has taken Radio Caroline 53 years to get an AM licence and it was perceived as a threat to the BBC for many years, Radio Caroline said on its website. Printed circuit board prices to rise on copper foil shortage, says Broker. A shortage of copper and copper foil for use by the printed circuit board industry is likely to send prices higher, according to Raymond Goh, Chief Operating Officer of an Oslo-Norway printed circuit board broker. Raymond said that the global output of copper is not increasing while demand for copper in lithium batteries for automotive applications is and that as a result a current shortage of copper foil will persist. On top of this, China is planning to ban the importation of electronic waste, a significant source of recycled copper, Raymond said. Although others will undoubtedly continue to recycle electronic waste, China's exit would represent a disruption to the process creating a temporary decrease in copper supply. Frequency or wavelength? 
What is the correct term to use in modern times? Is it frequency or wavelength? In the 1920s, when amplitude-modulated broadcasting started, all radio dials were only calibrated in wavelengths, and radio amateurs operated only on wavelengths measured in metres. In an article prepared by the South African Radio League, they remind us that this continued until 1927, when the International Telecommunications Union held the first International Radio Telegraph Convention of Washington. This is where they allocated the frequency bands with wavelengths for the five official radio services, broadcasting, maritime mobile, fixed, mobile and amateur. Somewhere along the line, the International Telecommunications Union and the International Amateur Radio Union dropped wavelengths and all their band plans are only given in a frequency of megahertz. If we compare the frequency bands with the wavelength bands, we find quite a number of errors. For example, the 7 MHz band is actually in the 41 meter band, while the 21 MHz band is in the 14 meter band next to the 13 meter shortwave broadcasting band. Today, all dials on receivers or transceivers are calibrated in frequencies only. Across Australia, from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the Hunter Valley, it's relayed on 146.775 MHz and 3.565 MHz at 9.30am and 7.30pm Sundays. On behalf of Westlake's Amateur Radio Club Incorporated, I'm Greg, VK2CW. Operational News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ. Who and where are our broadcast stations? Just go to the wia.org.au site, check out the weekly broadcast tab and you'll find a list from right across Australia. Now to Ham Radio Operational News, it's a contact sport. I'm Felix, VK4FUQ. This weekend is a biggie. The CQ WWDX CW contest is November 26-27. Running all year till December 31, Victorian Local Government Award 2017 Challenge. 2018. John Moore Memorial Field Day will be held over the weekend 17-18 March 2018 and will run from UTC 100 hours on the Saturday until 0059 on the Sunday. IARU HF Championship event on the 15-16 July. The 21st International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend is on August 18-19, 2018. All major Australian contest rules and results are on the contest section of the WIA website. The next thing we go now. Olaf G0CKV is active again as 3B9HA from Rodriguez Island to the 12th of December. He will operate CW with the main activity during the CQ WWDXCW contest and will focus on the low bands at other times. Nick G3RWF is active again as 5X1NH from Uganda to the 30th of November. With the main activity during the CQ WWDXCW contest, QSL via the home call G3RWF. The EIDX group who brought you 9N7EI earlier this year are delighted to announce their next expedition for 2018. A team of 14 operators will be QRV for two consecutive weekends from March the 21st to April the 3rd also taking part in the WPXSSB contest. The team have carefully selected an ideal location on the shores of Lake Malawi and will be QRVS 7Q7EI on all bands from 160 through 10 metres. SSB CWN Ritty. 
Their website is now up and running and can be visited on 7q7ei.com. Members of the Voodoo Contest group are in Suriname as PZ5E until the 28th of November. And will be very active in the CQWWCW contest this weekend. Again, PZ5V. To celebrate the 80th birthdays of both King Harold V and Queen Sonia of Norway, during 2017, special event stations have been active. The call signs to look for are LM80REX and LM80OQ. QSLs for these stations are via Clublog OQRS. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Hello, I'm Col, VK3LED, with this week's worldwide special interest group news, starting with the final frontier. RADFXSAT, FOX1B, designated AMSAT Oscar 91, has been successfully launched. The Delta II rocket carrying RADFXSAT lifted off at 0947 UTC on November 18, 2017, from Vandenberg Air Force Base, California. Following a picture-perfect launch, RADFXSAT was deployed at 1109 UTC, then the wait began. At 12.12 UTC, the AMSAT engineering team, watching ZR6AIC's WebSDR waterfall, saw the characteristic foxtail of the Fox 1 Series FM transmitter, confirming that the satellite was alive and transmitting over South Africa. Shortly after 12.34 UTC, the first telemetry was received and uploaded to AMSAT service by Maurizio Balducci, IV3RYQ, in Cevignano del Friuli, Italy. Initial telemetry confirmed that the satellite was healthy. After confirmation of signal reception, Oscar number administrator Bill Tynan, W3XO, sent an email to the AMSAT board of directors designating the satellite AMSAT Oscar 91, or AO91. The amateur radio package is similar to that currently in orbit on AO85, with an uplink on 435.250 MHz with 67 Hz CTCSS and a downlink on 145.960 MHz. December 20 is the planned launch date for HA1 CubeSat with FM transponder and slow scan TV. The IARU has announced frequency coordination has been completed for HA1, a 2U CubeSat developed by the Teenagers Amateur Radio Center of Activity in Wyan, China. HA1 will be mainly used for teenagers in Wyan to carry out activities related with amateur radio and aerospace science education. The CubeSat is equipped with an amateur radio repeater and slow-scan TV component, which is to validate still image transmissions in narrowband voice channels. There is an SSTV beacon, which puts date, time, location information, temperature, etc. on an SSTV picture. Amateurs worldwide can also access HA1 to test SSTV via the CubeSat. Uplink, 145.930 MHz. Downlink, 436.950 MHz, both FM. Well, not quite the final frontier, but getting up there, we look at worldwide special interest groups ballooning. The Science of Honouring Supporters' Memory. In this story, we tell a tale of weather balloons released from an Indiana football field. Two balloons with two missions. 
Amateur Radio's Newsline's Don Wilbanks, AG5DW, shares that story. In the eyes of 20 high school seniors from Indiana's Hobart High School, few things could have flown higher in those few moments of launch than Genesis and Exodus, the weather balloons that lifted off November 9th from the school's football field. The engineering and design seniors were led by teacher Brent Vermeulen, who had secured about $3,000 in grants to make the launch happen. Each helium-filled balloon had a GoPro camera and a 360-degree HD camera to record its flight, plus an antenna enabling tracking by two local hams. Exodus lived up to its name, traveling 240 miles before ending up in a cornfield near Huron, Ohio. Genesis made it as far as Napoleon, Ohio, completing a trip of about 162 miles before landing in a farmer's field there. Much more was on board, however, than just recording and radio equipment. Jackie Fitzgerald of Hobart had been on the sidelines watching it all. This year, her brother, Marvin Betcher, WV90, could not be there for one of his favorite annual events. The Hobart Amateur, a 1967 graduate of the school, became a silent key in March. Jackie had made a donation in her brother's memory to help the flight, and these words covered the payload of Genesis, in loving memory of Marvin Betcher. She watched the students and their balloons, and in her eyes, too, few things could have flown higher on that bright morning. I'm Don Wilbanks. AE5DW. Don Wilbanks reporting there from AR Newsline. Worldwide special interest groups, Digital. The chief executive of the first company to be certified by the FCC for software-defined radio died suddenly on November 11. The death of software executive Dr. Vanu Bose was announced on the website of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where he was an alumnus and member of the MIT Corporation. Bose's company, Vanu Inc., uses technology he developed whilst a graduate student at MIT and now provides wireless infrastructure around the world. The company also uses its technology for humanitarian causes, most recently assisting with communications in Puerto Rico following the hurricane. In 2004, Bose's company made news when it won the first FCC approval of Vanu Software Radio GSM base station, which was capable of being modified without changes to its hardware. It was heralded as a major advance in wireless communications. Dr. Bose was 52. Worldwide special interest groups, radio amateur young timers. In today's electronic social media world, children are probably sending their wish list to Santa Claus by text or email. In the USA, some old-timers are helping the young-timers. As Saginaw Valley Amateur Radio Association President Mike Doherty told us how last weekend the clock was turned back to the mid-1800s with telegrapher Jim Wades sending hundreds of messages by telegraph from the Saginaw Children's Zoo. The messages are going to Wade's fellow ham radio operator in Fairbanks, Alaska, who will then take them on to the North Pole. Doherty said kids are asking for the usual items, Barbie dolls, Lego sets, and electronic items like iPads and iPods. Special interest groups, VHF and above, the plumber's delight. Microwave enthusiast Mike, N1JEZ, has reported several successful 78 gigahertz contacts between the US and Canada on November 9. We believe these contacts may be the first W slash VE on 78 gigahertz, Mike said in a post to several VHF UHF microwave oriented reflectors. On the Canadian side were Renee VE2UG and Ray VE3FN. On the US side were Henry KT1J and Mike N1JEZ. 
The first contacts were between positions FN35JA and FN34JX, a distance of 5 kilometres. Contacts were easily made on SSB with huge signals at both ends. Next, Mike and Henry moved to FN34LT, extending the distance to 27 kilometres and again easily made contact with the Canadian crew. Join us again next week for more WIA Worldwide Special Interest Group News. I'm Col, VK3LED. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Tasmania, it can be heard on repeaters right around the state on 2 metres and 70 centimetres at 0900 on Sundays and repeated at 2,000 hours on Tuesdays on VK7RTC in the south and VK7RAA in the north. I'm Mike, VK7 Foxtrot Bravo. Do you know what you'll be doing at 8.30am on Sunday the 25th of February next year? Well, for a great number of amateurs, it'll be queuing at the gates to get into the improved facilities at the Wyong Racecourse for the Central Coast ARC's 60th Field Day. I've already told you about some of the lectures and demonstrations. One I forgot to include is the VHF, UHF and Weak Signal Group's annual meeting, which has been a constant attraction at the Field Day for many years. This group's meetings presents the latest happenings in this area of the amateur radio for enthusiasts and for new people to the hobby. Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, will convene the group at 11 o'clock. Roger is an authority in this field and has many published articles to his credit. I've just heard that the drone demonstration from Phaser Computers, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, will be with first-person view drones, meaning the pilot on the ground can see what the drone sees. This promises to be a very popular demonstration again in 2018. Traders and exhibitors are being distributed details of the event at the moment. And if you are a trader who would like to attend the field day and take advantage of our new upgraded facilities, please contact the CCARC via the field day website at fieldday.org.au. That's also where everyone else can find details of this event. For the Central Coast ARC Field Day at Wyong 2018, this is Ed, DD5LP. Thanks, Ed. Now, continuing on with the social scene, and then we're out of here. On May 4-7, VK4, the Clareview Gathering, that's between Rockhampton and Mackay. March 25 in VK3, it's the EMDRC's Hamfest at the Great Ryrie Primary School at Heathmont. Now, till next we meet, I'm Graham, VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.